invite you to open your Bibles with me to Judges chapter 7, uh, and I'll share what God has on my heart. Um, and I am praying that you all will hear the heart and the spirit that I am going to share with you this morning. Uh, if you know anything about the eldership of this church, we're very committed to realizing this vision that God has given us. So there's going to be a tinge of... Um, pastoralness, if there's such a word, that, that has to come out based on the content of the message. So hear the spirit and apply it to your heart. And I'll try to connect that as much as we can so that God would move and have his way. Let's go to Judges chapter 7. I'm just going to deal with the first eight verses this morning um, as that's as far as the Lord would have me go. And um, we'll pick that up in the upcoming weeks, the remainder of it, that God would have his way. I want to read this first before I pray this morning. So that the good Lord could move. If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. And I'm reading from the ESV. It's close enough to the NIV. Uh, verse 1 says, Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Harod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And verse 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then it says in my translation, Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Verse 4. The Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them there for you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps, with the, who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise are also everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lap, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men, but all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. Last two verses. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands, and let all the others go, every man to his own home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, let me, let me kind of say this with caution. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you can get in trouble for this. Do not say this to a lady. Okay. So look at me. Yeah. Do not say this to a lady. Look at me. Okay. Say, preacher, work with God to trim the fat. Yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to catch myself. Yeah. Yeah, do not say that. Don't, don't. Yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't, yeah, you're getting trouble. Yeah, don't, don't. Let me, yeah. You got to get what I'm saying? So say it again. Say, self, work with God to trim the fat. Yeah, very, very important. Let's pray and then let's go to the word. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for you. 
You're an awesome, you're wonderful, you're a mighty God, Lord. As we open the word and we've been dealing with Gideon for about three weeks now. And here we are on week four. I am praying that um, as we deal with making it to our season of more than enough this year and talking about the things that we need to do that you would open our hearts to hear, I am praying, God, that the message, the purpose, and the result of the message would cause someone to reevaluate their engagement in ministry and commit to being part of the 300 so we can do what you've called us to do, so we can be who you have equipped us and designed us to be, so we can have community impact. So this morning, I am using metaphors, but I'm praying for 300, God. People that will say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. So open our hearts to hear, open our hearts to receive. So give me uh, speaking power. Felix dies. Felix moves out of the way. Because Felix has nothing to say unless God speaks. So we want to hear clearly from you this morning, God. So bless and have your way as we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory, God. It is in your name we pray and thank you. Amen. 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 Good, good. Um, let's just go straight to work. I'm just going to keep your Bibles open. If we can put the first slide, I kind of want to walk you through a couple of things. Here, let me just review the first three parts of the series. To bring you up to speed if you have not been a part of what we've been teaching. And if this is your first Sunday, please know that you can go online and download the podcast and listen to what we've been teaching so you can get caught up uh, with us on this morning. When we first started this, we kind of talked about the importance of part one, that every person must come to the truth and the realization and know for themselves that God is with them. That's very, very important for us to know. Um, God shows up with you so he can use you. He calls you out of the midst of a group of people because you are unique to him, you have a calling um, from him, you have purpose, so he created you with purpose and destiny. So it's very, very important that every person in here know that God is with me. So y'all help me real quick. Just come on, say God is with me. Now here's the thing that you need to know. We talked about this the second week. When you get a revelation or realization that God is with you, God is going to test you to make sure that he is first in your life. So that means that he's going to call you to tear down the altars of Baal that you and I have set up in our lives, the things that take precedence, the things that take priority, the things that, that where God should rightfully be, we have placed something else or someone that takes our worship such that we're not free to worship God. He's going to call you to tear that thing down and to build a proper altar in the right place. And when he does that, God has a way of saying, let that thing contend for itself. If it truly was a God, it ought to be able to defend himself. So this is where Jeroboam got the name, Gideon got the name, and this word's going to come up again today. Let Baal contend for himself. And here's the B side of that. Whenever you make the, the decision to obey God, you don't have to worry about the enemy doing anything to you because as long as we walk in obedience, God's got you. Oh, come on, I need a couple of amens right there. You need to know that, that, that God has you. As long as you're walking in obedience, God's got you. And the thing that we said last, last week was the whole issue of growing in faith and avoiding the fleece. And it, it, was, it was the cause of a, a really, really good discussion on Wednesday night. And I'm trusting and hope that more can come out on Wednesday as we take the message on Unraveleth. Because a lot of us have been depending on the fleece. And we've been saved a long time. 
Are you with me? And we still want to continually to test God, continue to test God and say, God, if you are God, prove yourself. At some point we must grow in faith and have our own experiences with God to know that God can do just because he is. Are you with me? Just because he's God. So today, with that type of a background, I want to go to the next place. The reason God raised Gideon up was to deliver the, the Israelites from the hand of Midian, and now we're getting close to wartime. So um, by way of application, by way of connection, you and I are getting close to the point where we need to change our life, we need to change the cycles that we found ourselves in, we need to change those iniquitous patterns, whatever they may be. And so if we track with the three principles and we're moving in obedience to God, there comes a point in time where you must engage the enemy. Come on, are you with me? There comes a point in time where you must do what God called you to do. You must be what God called you to be. So the reason I only want to hang out with the, the first, what is it, eight verses in front of us today, because I really want this to resonate and settle in our spirit. So the next slide, if we can just go to that really quick, um, I want us to learn how to work with God to trim the fat. Yeah. Too much excess. And I'm not talking body stuff. Are you with me? Let me help you out. There's some people that hang around you that don't need to be hanging around you. <laughs> yeah. Trim the fat. There's some people that have fooled you into thinking they should be around you when they really don't deserve to be around you. Come on, y'all. Trim the fat. Trim the fat. Trim the fat. So it's time to cut some things loose as we kind of go forth. Um, as we approach the text this morning, this is the scenario that Gideon found himself in. Uh, if you notice with me, and we can put the next slide on the screen, look at how verse 1 opens up. And I want to walk through this, so I'm kind of moved. Now, listen, listen to this real quick. Since God is not willing to share his glory with anyone, he delivers. He will press you to trim the fat so that when he moves, he alone will be credited for the miracle he performed. Yeah, come on, say God gets the glory. Yeah. The reason God can't work in a lot of our lives is because we want everyone to help us. And then we want to show up to God with all the stuff that we brought for him to use. And he, held, he withholds his hand because if he does indeed do it, then you thank everybody who helped you and you don't give him glory. Can we talk this morning, guys? So God will challenge you to trim the fat so he can get. So let's look with me, look with me at the first two verses and then let's talk through this. Um, it says here, then Jeroboam, and, and the author in my translation puts parenthetically, that is Gideon. And I, I like the usage of Jeroboam versus Gideon because that, that says something significant about what's going to happen in the text today. So say Jeroboam with me. Yeah, and now you see why I entitled the entire series Jeroboam, because we're getting ready to go to work. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill um, of Moreh in the valley. And look at verse 2. So God shows up and God says to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites in your hand. And then he says, lest Israel boast over me saying, my own hand has saved 
me. Okay? Now, with that background, let me read this again. Since God is not willing to share his glory with anyone he delivers, he will press you to trim the fat so when he moves, he alone will be credited for the miracle he performed. My problem, my problem, um, and I'm comfortable in saying some of your problem as well too, is you want a piece of the praise. So here's how, here's how I get a piece of the praise. Man, God used me to deliver that message, so I give glory to God. You get what I'm saying? Um, the Lord sure used me to sing that song, so God gets the glory. You, you kind of you, you get? And, 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 and when at the end of whatever the action or deed is, we always find a way of sneaking me or I in it. Because we wrestle. Come on, let's be honest here this morning. Because we want to share the praise with God. We're not comfortable just being vessels. We're not comfortable just being the vehicle that he uses. We want a piece of the action. So we'd say, you know, man, um, or, or here, here, here's a good one. Um, um, you know, somebody say, you, you know, you, you sure did that thing well. Well, thank you, but give God the glory. We're going to get our peace first. We can't just say all glory goes to God and leave me, myself, and I out of it. Come on, let's be honest here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did a little research on Steph Curry, the, the, the guy that kind of, um, anyway, enough about him. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, did, I, I did a little something on him because I noticed, I noticed that whenever he would do some phenomenal feat on the court, he would do this, and then he'd do that. And I was wondering, what, what, you know, what's that all about? So I kind of checked out his background, researched him, and found out that he went to a Christian school, and he's got some, you know, some faith background. And what he's really doing is, it ain't about me. Yeah. I realized that. That's, that's what he was doing, is that as good as the shot was, as excited as he wanted to be, whenever he would always check himself by just tapping himself and, and doing that. You'll notice he'll do that and then just go like that. Don't, don't praise me. You kind of get what I'm saying? Versus my dog who just didn't do it, man. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I'm, enough said. Yeah, yeah, enough said. Yeah, enough said, enough said. But the point, the point I want us all to take um, we must position ourselves where we stop trying to get glory for what God is doing. Just simply give God all the praise and, and let him get all the glory for what he does because of the truth that he's got all by himself. So here's the thing. As you get ready to engage the enemy, sometimes God's going to call you to trim the fat as you engage to walk out the destiny that God has called you. He's going to call you to trim the fat because some things God's going to want you to have to walk through all by yourself. And if you're waiting on a crowd, if you're waiting on a leader, if you're waiting on somebody to have to take you there, then when you get there, you're going to take time to reach back and thank them, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in the midst of that, what we're doing is sharing the glory of God. So to prevent us from doing it, God will say, come by yourself. Because he wants all the glory. Come on. Are you guys with me? 
So, so he will cause you sometime to have to trim the fat. And here what's striking about the text is that, you know, uh, when, when, you read, when you read the story, and I encourage you to read the entire story, you'll find later on that, that it was 30,000 men that Gideon had that was going up against 135,000 Midianites and Eastern people. So Gideon was already outnumbered just about four to one. And still he shows up with his 30,000. He's already in the minority. And God says to him, that's too many people for me to fight 135,000. <laughs> that's deep. That's deep. If, if I'm Gideon, I'm having a dialogue with God. AG, let's talk about this. Come on, man. We outnumbered four to one. They've got weapons. They've got tanks. We've got pitchforks. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how do you expect us to do this, right? And, and, and God says, no, there's too many people for me to deliver um, the Midianites into their hand. Now, what's striking, if you remember with me last week as it relates to the feast, it was the reason for the fleece, right? I need to know, God, that you're going to do it by my hand. You remember, that was the question. And he said it twice. I need to know that you're going to do it through me. I need to know that you're going to use me. But then he shows up with this army, and God says to him, that's too many people. Listen to me. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't bring too much to God. Come on, say it again. Say, don't bring too much to God. Now, now look, look, look with me at verse 3. Let's, let's move on. So he's going to challenge you to, because he wants to get the glory. And the only reason he causes us to trim the fat is because he wants to get the glory. Are you with me? He wants us to trim the fat because he wants to get the glory. So now look at verse 3. So now therefore, he says, proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. And then the text says, then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Wow. Next, next point. I want you all to see this. Go to the next point. Next one. Now watch this. <laughs> when trimming the fat, always begin by giving those hiding in the crowd or congregation an out. That's a Derek statement. Yeah. Give, give folk, give folk an out. Put the next slide on the screen. Let me kind of walk you through something that, that, that um, uh, wow, and I meant to have my, my thing so I don't have to use a mic stand and be urban no more. Um, I want you all to look at this graph. This is what Rick Warren in his book, Purpose Driven Church, kind of refers to as the five circles of commitment. Let me take a moment to talk through that. The outer circle, which is the community, refers to the unchurch or the backslider or people that are not connected to um, the heart of God. If I'm using that term loosely. So they come from the community and they become a part of the crowd. And some of us call them seekers in that when God begins to reveal himself to them, they come and they connect. And they just show up and leave, no commitment whatsoever. Um, they just come to check it out to see if indeed they're hearing God. And so these are the people that are non-committal in, in, in your body at points in time. Seekers trying to find God. Then there's a congregation. There are those, um, if I could use this, this humorous term, have journed church. Okay? 
those that have signed up and they're now a part of, of the congregation and then they're here to kind of make things happen. These are, they're a little more than, than your um, CME Christians. You know, that's Christian Mother's Day and Easter's. You know, um, so, so they come a little more frequently. That's the congregation. And then there's the committed. Come on, say committed. Okay, and then the committed are people who start to, to feel uh, unction, to volunteer, to sign up, to be involved in ministry in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, you kind of see how they come from the community, then the crowd, then the congregation, then they become committed. And then there's this thing called the core. And you guys have heard of the core by way of the 2080 rule where 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work, okay? These are your people that are sure enough sold out to God. And, and, and the author kind of has in here lay ministers and, and mature leadership. I mean, this is the people who, who make church happen. This is your ministerial team, your, your elders, your people are just signed up and says, RCF is mine. I'm going to make it happen. Okay? Now, because the, the heart and the goal of the church is to move people from the community all the way from the crowd to being part of the, con the congregation, to move into the committed, and to become a part of the core. Now, here's the thing. Um, Gideon showed up with the congregation. I'm not going to be long, but let me slow down. And God said, can't use the whole congregation of Israel. And this was just the army, the fighting people. Can't use them all. I need to get down to the committed so I can really tell you who's in your core. So he says, here's what we do. If you're afraid, if you're scared, if you, you know, can't really do this, it's okay. Um, go ahead and leave right now because this is what we're going to do. Now, this is a harsh statement. So here I'm saying it out of love. All right, I want you all to hear the spirit in which I'm going to say. Sometimes it's okay to ask people to leave. Don't stick with the church context only. In your life as well. Are you with me? Some friends you just need to go like that. Come on, come on, y'all. Let's let's just let's just be, let's just go there. Let's just let's just go there. Can we just go there, y'all? Um, sometimes we just have to do that because um, you know God God wants. Put that back up on the screen. I, I wanted to get record. God wants us to, to find out who is really going to do what he really wants done. And same thing in our personal lives. We need to know who's really there with us, who's going to get to what God wants done. So sometimes you just got to ask folks to go. I have a funny story. I, I was in the military, and um, I joined the military for one purpose, and that was to get an education because I couldn't afford to go to college. And I was stuck on an island on St. Croix, and I want to get off the island. And I find out that you can, you can sign up for the military, and they'll take you off the island and pay for college and all that kind of stuff. So I did it. Now, the funny thing that you need to know that makes the story humorous is I didn't sign up to go to war. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 Oh, no. Spent four years in the military. Every morning I wake up, Lord. If a war break out, I guess I'm in the 22,000. 
You kind of get what I'm saying? I, I, am not, I am not a war person. And so it was so funny because I would let the record show. I would tell my peers. I would tell folk that I work for. I mean, you, you pick whatever it was. I would tell them, if war breaks out, don't look for Felix. Just go ahead and say AWOL and send the folk to find me. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I, 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 I did not sign up. I signed up to get an education, and are you with me? And, and when I get my education, I'm out. And the funny thing about all this, we got to Tucson. I go to the University of Arizona, you know, did some stuff, got my degree, and I walked back into my manager's office. I, I say manager. What do you call them, the people in charge in the military? I done forgot so long. Um, sergeant, that was, it, was, it was the Air Force. It was the good branch. Um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but yeah, you know, but 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 anyway, I walked into his office and 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 I said to him, "Hey, dude, I'm out." Um, he kind of looked at me and said, "What do you mean you're out? What are you gonna do?" I said, "I told you I didn't sign up to go to war." And I showed him my job offer that I had from the company. That are you with me? Um, that that I'm out. But my, I'm serious about that because I knew where I was going and I knew that I would be no help to the military. As humorous as that may seem, some people have signed up here with their own agenda that know that they're not going to be any help. <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay. Um, I, think, I, think, I think it was um, John Maxwell that says as a leader... When you make a decision and put the wrong person in the wrong place, you also have got to be big enough to tell the wrong person that I put you in the wrong place. you got to move, right? And sometimes in our life, we engage the wrong people, and we've got to be big enough to say to them, hey, sorry. So give folk an out. Come on, say it out loud. Say give them an out. Say it again. Say give them an out. Okay, very, very important, very, very important. Put that point back up on the screen. I want to kind of walk through because I want to hang out someplace. Um, point number two, if y'all can put that back up there. When trimming the fat, begin by giving those that are hiding out in the congregation or the crowd an out. Now put the third one up. I want to, this is where I want to hang my hat for a little while. And let me see if I can do this in a few minutes. Now watch this. After the fat is trimmed in the crowd... Let go, God expose those that are hiding in the core um, that, are really, that are not really committed to the mission. Yeah. Ah, boy. You ever had a person say to you, I'm with you. Then you look up and they're not there. Let's read. And then let's talk through this. Let's read. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said to Gideon, after he shut down to shave it down to 10,000, trimming the fat, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise, 
everyone who kneels down to drink. And then it says, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. Man, this is messed up. 10,000 people left, and God still needs to trim the fat down to, to, to 300. Now, let me say this so you guys don't miss what I'm saying. Please not, don't miss the point and don't miss the truth in the text that in all of the trimming, no one was asked to leave the nation of Israel. And I'm saying it like that intentionally because somebody is going to misunderstand what I'm saying, okay? Nobody was said was asked to leave Israel and go be a part of the Midianite camp. Now, I'm saying that to say I don't want any person here to, to think that I'm saying leave Restoration Christian Fellowship. I'm not saying that. Are you with me? But what I am saying is that when it comes to being sold out and committed to doing what God has called you to do, that requires a completely different level of commitment. And if you're not ready to sell out to God like that, it's okay to be a part of the congregation. Just don't lie to folk and tell them you're in the core. Come on, are you with me? Because here's, here's how the story went on. When he said to them, tell them to leave, they, they went back and they went to the camp and they sat down. And then when the crowd said, hey, man, what happened? Man, we just, nah, bro, I'm, I'm you know, I got to grow some more. It's okay to realize where you are on the maturity plane with God and quit trying to fool yourself into thinking you are, oh, come on, you are where you're not. It's okay to say, God, you know what, I'd like to, but I'm not ready yet. Let me grow some more. And in the growing, don't criticize those who, uh, <sighs> who have made the commitment. Are you with me? So watch the text. Watch the text because notice what I said to you. I said, let God expose those hiding in the core that are not really committed to the mission. So you don't go be a judge. God said, take them to the water. I'll do it. That's the text, right? Now let me give you a little bit of literary context that you should already have by now, considering that we're four weeks into this thing, that'll help you understand what's really going on. Now, there's really two schools of thoughts. Well, I mean, commentators vary on why uh, 300 and what did the 300 do that make them part of the 300. I mean, if you read Josephus, um, you hear him say things like, these were the faint-hearted that, that, um, that, that were humble and were fearful. And, and the beauty of God using them was the fact that, that uh, in their cowardice, uh, it was miraculous in the fact that in their cowardice, God worked through them. Now, I, I, I'm cool with Josephus. He's smarter than me and all that good stuff. Um, but I don't believe that because I think the first call to say, if you're fearful, go home, would have included anybody who's fearful. You kind of get what I'm saying? 
So the first 22,000 uh, 22, was to get rid of anybody who had fear or were concerned or knew this wasn't them. This wasn't their thing to do. There's another commentator that I like that's a lot more profound. And, and, here, and he has a perspective on it that I want to share with you um, that I think speaks more to the truth of what really happened and how God was able to show Gideon who was part of the 300. So I want you all to give ear to this. Now, you'll understand with me that the tension in the text, beginning at verse 1 of the book of Gideon, was the fact that Joshua had now died, the Israelites had just inhabited the land of Canaan, and the problem with them inhabiting the land of Canaan was God said, when you go in the land, eliminate everything that's in the land. Come on, y'all remember this. Come on, say Amen. And it was in their disobedience to God, they did not eliminate everything that was in the land, and they started to worship the Baals, they started to give in to everything that was in the land, and as time progressed in their inhabiting the land of Canaan, Baal worship had become the dominant form of worship in Canaan at that point in time. Come on, it's in the text. And so here's how each chapter would open up. And if you read the back part of chapter 2, particularly a lot of chapter 3, here's how it says, And again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord and worshipped the Baals. You'd hear that. And so God would raise up a judge, or in our context in chapter 6, he would raise up a prophet, and the prophet would say to them, stop worshiping these things and get back to the worship of God. And as long as the prophet or the judge was alive, the people would do right, but the moment the judge or the prophet died, they would go back to what they know. Okay, and here's the other tension in the text. This thing has been going on for quite some time because the author pens for us in the book of Judges, time has elapsed, and listen to this, and there rose a new generation who did not even know God. That's some deep stuff, people. Are you with me? I want you to get the extent of how far gone they were. Are you hearing me? And such that Baal worship had become the cultural norm of the day, okay? So now remember with me, God now comes to Gideon, and he says to Gideon, whose daddy was running the church at the time for Baal worship, here's what I want you to do to show me that you're really obedient to me and committed to me. Go tear down the altars of Baal and take that golden calf and offer it to me to show me that you are willing to reposition me in the right place of your life. Are you guys tracking with me? Come on, say amen if you're here. If not, get the podcast, listen to it all over again. We'll talk about it Wednesday. This is important information that I'm giving you. Okay. Now, now so here's what would happen. Instead of the Israelites kneeling or bowing to worship God, they would kneel or bow to worship Baal. Now, you all remember Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. I, the Lord, your God, I'm a jealous God. You shall, come on, y'all know this quite well. Don't have no image. He says, don't bow down to them. Don't worship them. Come on, y'all know this, all kinds of stuff. It's all over the text. Matter of fact, if I were to skim forward a little bit and go past this text, you will remember with me, I think, Preacher Cameron preached this a while back, the whole story of Ahab um, and what was going on back in the day. Here's what God says. Listen to this carefully. Hey, dude. Um, I'm calling you, Elijah, to go to Ahab and, and, and tell them that God's going to do something. And here's Ahab's thing. Hey, God, I'm the only one that's been standing up. 
right? Don't miss this. I am the only one left who have not, watch the word, bowed to Baal. And here's what God said. No, dude, don't fool yourself. I've got 7,000. Come on, the church folk know this story quite well. Y'all ought to be saying amen right now. I've got 7,000, listen to the words, who have not yet bowed to Baal, nor have they kissed him. In case y'all missed that, let me fast forward a little more to Daniel. The the reason that Daniel ended up in that doggone fiery furnace is because when the trumpet sounded, what did he do? He refused to bow down, come on, and worship Nebuchadnezzar. He stood firm because he says, my bowing, my kneeling is only reserved for God and God alone. So he refused to bow down. Are you with me? And and so, 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 moving back to the text. Look, look with me at verse 4. Let's read it again with the new information. Verse 4, and the light bulb will come on. And the Lord God said to Gideon, you got a whole lot of folk with you. Let me paraphrase. But it's still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one will go with you, shall go. And whoever I say with you, um, This one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Verse 5. So Gideon brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps water in his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him aside. And likewise, everyone who, what? Knees down or bows down to drink. And then it says the number of those, and let me add this to help you out, stood lapping, putting their hands to their mouth was 3,000. And then the author gives us detail. But the rest knelt down to drink. Y'all still missing it. People under normal circumstances do what they're used to doing. The truth of who you really are comes out in what you do, not what you say. Are you with me? If I'm a Baal worshiper, now bear with me, okay, this is me agreeing with a commentator, and I'm used to doing this. Whenever I get to the water, the first thing I'm going to do to get to the water is what I'm used to doing. Because it's natural for me. If I'm not used to doing that, when I get to the water... I'm doing this because I don't bow to nothing. (laughs) I don't bend my knees for nobody. So even though Gideon might have fooled himself into thinking he was the only one, God was trying to tell him, listen, folks, you're not the only one that have not yet given in to the bells. I've got... I've got a reserve, and you really don't know who they are, so I'm going to put them in the test. Here's what I want you to do. Take them down to the water. Put them down to the water, and who they really are is, is go- oh, I wish I had somebody. You'll be able to see who they really are based on what they do. If they are Baal worshipers and they're used to bowing, guess what they're going to do? Bow. Those that are not... They're going to stand and I don't care who you are. Only God gets my worship. 
and I'm going to reach down and I'm going to bring that water up because unless God shows up, there is no need for me to bow. So the true essence of who you are is going to come out based on what you do, not what you say. I wish I had one person in here. Let me be pastor just for a little while, all right? I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. Whole lot of focus saying I'm in, but when it comes time, just I'm done with that because I, I want y'all to come back. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get what I'm saying. You can say a whole lot, but your actions speak a lot louder. <laughs> come on, y'all. So if you want to know who's part, a member of the 300 crowd, just take them down to the water and watch what they do. I wish I had somebody. Come on, y'all. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, the text gets gooder. It gets gooder. It gets, it, it, excuse the grammar. It gets, hey, don't, don't tell nobody I said that, all right, Dr. Matheson. Um, just gets gooder. This is how we do it here. Yeah, yeah. He says, not only do they stand, but there's another thing I need you to do is check to see how they drink the water. Because if they lap like a dog, those are the ones that I want. Now, now there's two things you need to know about rivers back in those days. And, and y'all know this because you've seen this. Well, here, dogs are pets. So you guys might have never seen this. Yeah. Where I'm from, a dog's life is in danger. We don't give the dog water to drink. He got to get his own water. Here, y'all go spend your tithing money buying dog food. I'm just joking. Joking. I'm joking. I know you guys are dog lovers. Don't put me in jail. It's okay. But back in the day, back in the day, and in some countries today, I can take y'all with me when we go on a mission trip to St. Croix where God lives. Um, <laughs> you'll see a dog do this. He'll go up to a stream of water and he'll slow down as he gets close to it. And he'll do this. And he'll put his head in the water with his eyes up the whole time. He'll do, then stand back up. And look really quick, and he'll go on, lap some more. Never does the dog ever do this. Because the natural essence of the dog, and in America you have denaturalized dogs. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exercise caution because the dog knows he don't know what's in that river that can eat him. Okay, if you were to do the work on Egyptian dogs and the crocodiles and all kinds of stuff that's in that water, they will show up and exercise extreme caution because they don't know what can come out to get them. And they don't want to be the meal for the crocodile or the next thing that's in the water. So Gideon, see who exercises caution by just being watchful. Come on, are you with me? Not while on their knees, but while standing up. Come on, are you guys with me? Are you with me? 
And that, that, that's number one about the dog. Now, this, this is, this is, this is a, an Egyptian myth, so I'm not saying this is Bible, I'm not saying this is factual, but there's another part of that, that, that where, where the, 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 the myth was based on a commentator, that there's some dog-like animals that, that the way he defeats his prey is that they will wait till the prey is sleeping as they approach the bank, and they will launch themselves on the prey and catch the thing to kill it while it's sleeping to make the, the environment safe so they can actually eat. But they wait till it's sleeping, then they can attack. And if I were to jump ahead in the text, you will know that when the Israelites attacked the Midianites, it was when the Midianites were asleep and they were in the middle of shifting watch. Come on, are you with me? Now, the reason I like that, because I think that'll preach, is because here's the other part about the lapping like a dog, is that these individuals, not only are they watchful, but check this out, they take the initiative to make things happen. Y'all missed that. These are not advice-giving dogs that stand on the periphery saying, let me tell you what y'all doing wrong. Let me tell you why it's not working. Let me tell you how much you keep making the same mistakes. These are the dogs that will say, move out the way. I got it. In ministry, you've seen this. You've got a whole lot of folk that will spend more time telling you how to do it, how it ought to be done, what you're doing wrong. Come on, come on, come on. How often you failed, but they're never in the game. Yet they'll say to you, I'm in the core. Oh, golly. I wish I had two people in here. I wish I had. Come on, come on. Are you with me? You know, the worst commentators are those that never played sports a day in their life. Well, you know, Bob, I think he should have passed the ball. He should have given himself to go catch that. Put your behind out there. Go catch it yourself. And, and, and we've got more people in that. So here's what God said to Gideon. I am going to separate them from you. If you notice that by default or they have a natural ability to, to bow and, and, and they're not watchful and they've got more advice than action. Send them home. Now, once again, send them home does not mean leave the church. All it means is you're not ready to engage the enemy. That's all it means. Are you with me? Come on, are you guys with me? So go on back and grow up a little bit, then come back. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So this is why I want us to, to understand with me, the last thing I want you all to get this and I'm done, is that there comes a point in our walk with God where we must be willing to work with God to trim the fat. Less is more in God's economy. Because he wants the glory. And some of us are not mature enough to say, God. We say, through me, God. And God wants the glory all by himself. You've seen this in putting an immature person in leadership, be it in business, be it in ministry, be it in your personal walk. Come on, are you with me? And, and, and the striking thing about immaturity is I will tell you I'm mature all day long. 
my action is really going to dictate how mature I really am. Can we, is that truth, guys? Is that truth? I can say I am with you all day long. But if I don't show up when you're in battle, I need to zip it up. Can we be honest this morning? And so God is looking for 300 to engage Midian. And, and, and here's what I've been saying on Wednesday night, and I'll let this slip out tonight, this morning, because this is a call for people to grow to another level of maturity with God. It is. And, and it's not a call for commonplace Christianity. A lot of us have been saved a long time. And we're so used to bowing that we do it by default, not realizing what we're doing. By default. Because you've been doing it so long. Let me go back to two weeks ago message. Maybe you'll now appreciate the importance of God saying to Baal, tear it down. Be honest with yourself this morning. If you're not ready to tear it down, it's okay. Just don't say, I'm in the core. Because core folk have torn some things down. Core folk don't bother nobody. I mean, this is free because this just came from Holy Spirit. It's okay to say I'm in training to be in the core. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because for a long time, I too fooled myself into thinking I was where I was not. And it took a Gideon experience to reveal to me where I really was with God. And I am hoping this message does the same thing for a lot of us. Because we will have circles of influences. Let me leave the church and go to your personal life. People that will say to you, man, dude, I'm with you. I've got your back. I'm down. I'm whatever. But you will find yourself in front of a Midianite. And, yo, man, you coming? Nah, man. I got some honeydew lists. And something always comes up. Let me go back to the church. And I'm going to stop because I'm going to get in trouble. Don't call yourself a Levite if you don't live in the church when its doors are open. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because this call to God is a sellout call. That's another level of growth. Are you with me? And so that's why I love Rick Warren's circle of influence. Can y'all can get back to that without jacking stuff up? Good. Yeah, that's why I like that. Today, we say the core is 20% of your membership. God showed Gideon the truth is that it's really only 10%. <laughs> and so it's okay to be in the committed. It's okay to be in the congregation. It's even okay to be in the crowd. Heck, it's okay to be in the community. But at some point on your spiritual journey, make it to the core such that when God takes you to the river, you're like this. There he is. I go get him. Hey, put me in the game. I got him. Not, well, let me tell you how to do that. This is how. And then when they fail, see, you're just no good because you're never in the game. You come. Send me. I'll go. Are you with me? 
measure where you are, measure where you are. Just don't stay there. Just don't stay there. Just don't stay there. Are you with me? So when God got ready, and I'm done, to attack the Midianites, he revealed who really was prepared to engage the enemy in battle, and he sent them. The danger of placing yourself where you don't belong is you lose the battle every time because you won't fight right. And so if you're in here and you notice that I'm stuck in a certain place, be real with yourself on where you are and don't, see, this is, this, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'll say it anyway. This is the problem I have with the faith movement and the prosperity doctrine. Speak it. Just call those things that be not as though they were. I'm in the core. I'm in the core. Heck, you in the community. <laughs> you must do some things to be there. All right? And the, the nice thing about the core is if you're there, you don't got to tell nobody. They'll just see it. Right. <laughs> Tough Father's Day message, but here's what I want to do. Let's all be honest with ourselves and take a moment of self-evaluation. Don't say I'm rich if you're still broke. Don't say I'm healed if you're still sick. I'm trying to give you some practical application. Begin where you are and allow God room to work in the present in your life. Are you with me? Not that God can't heal. He can and he will. But if you're convincing God that you're already healed and he knows you're sick, he's going to look at you like, hey, you said you're healed. Handle it. From my viewpoint, you're as sick as they come. Are you with me, guys? Begin where you are. And let God grow you. We have a tough vision to realize. And I honestly believe the word of God for this house in this season is trim the fat. It's hard. But y'all see this in the NFL, right? Season starts with a team this big. Preseason, they come down to the committed. Game time. It's just the core. Assess where you are. Bow your heads with me. Come on, worship team. That's how I want to pray. Holy Spirit, I'll begin with me. For a long time, I fooled myself into thinking I am where I am not. Telling people all day long that I'm in the 300 club, but my life is jacked up. Committing sins and just doing things that are unlike you. But I thank God for the Gideon experience because it's in the confrontation that you started the process of revealing to me who I am. And you started to teach me the importance of allowing my words to align with my actions. I hear Pastor Derek use the word integrity a lot lately. And I just listen to him. Because I'm agreeing with him, God. Integrity is us doing what we say we are and our actions aligning with our words. The reason the world won't come to faith with you is because they look at the church 
and they hear us say a lot of things, but they see us do something different. I'm praying for 300. Heavy word on a Father's Day. But Holy Spirit, convict like you've never convicted before for growth. But in the conviction, let love be felt. Because you're not putting anyone out of the congregation. They're still in the family. They're just getting in the right seat on the bus, God. So God, we love you. We love you, Lord. So now put your arms around us as a church. Put your arms around every father. Put your arms around every woman, every boy, every girl in this place. Let them know wherever they are on the spiritual journey, you still love them. But sometimes for us to get to the next place with you, we need to adjust so you can do what needs to be done. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you, God. You're a great, you're a wonderful God. So we give you all the praise.